Well, my wife and I got married uh, after my senior year, and Emily still had a years of college left. Um, and so her degree, as she was completing up, was called cross-cultural communications, uh, which essentially means she was going to be a missionary. All right, big fancy term for the, she wanted to go to the mission field. And so uh, we, we knew that as part of uh, her to get her degree, we had to do an internship in missions. And so uh, we, we had been talking with a family from Thailand, and uh, we were going to go to Thailand after this, uh, after, in the summer of her, after she had graduated. All right, and so we were excited about it. Uh, we, were, we were getting ready to go, getting ready to f- do some fundraising, and lo and behold, a surprise came. Uh, we found out we were pregnant uh, about Christmas time uh, nine years ago. And uh, when we found out that news, we were actually uh, not necessarily the most excited people in the world. Uh, we uh, had plans, right? and, and when we found out we were pregnant, uh, the timing that we were going to be going to Thailand was, would have been in her third trimester. And so the, uh, the person that we were talking with said, yeah, why don't you just stay there? And so we started talking to other mission organizations, just asking them, hey, this is our situation, we're wanting to do something, and no one would let us go. And so to find out that we were pregnant was actually uh, disheartening for us. We, we uh, were discouraged, we were really questioning, okay, God, where are you trying to take us? Now, nine years later, you know, I would not change anything in the world. Uh, to have Hannah and her and all that God has done for us, okay? So, so don't hear that. But when we first heard the news, it wasn't the most exciting news we heard. What about you? All right, when you found out, if, if you've had a child, if you found out that uh, you were pregnant, what was your reaction in that moment? All right, some, some, t- <laughs> some of us are honest. <laughs> Some of us, you know, we, we do get excited, and, and for us, we've had, uh, we have five children now, and, and beyond that first one, we were really excited, I think, for the most part, right? We were talking about this earlier. Uh, we were pretty excited for every other one. Uh, Isaiah, for me, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm done with this, but beyond that, uh, it was still exciting to have a new child, and, and I think depending on the situation we find ourselves in, the news of this uh, oftentimes leads to different reactions. Maybe for you it wasn't necessarily that you were going to have a child, but maybe uh, it was that moment when your boyfriend asked you to marry him. What was your reaction? Have you ever seen these uh, YouTube videos where the guy really thinks she's going to say yes and she just walks away? I mean, what was her reaction? What was his reaction after the question came out? How about you parents? Right, when, when you heard that the guy was going to ask your daughter to get married, what would, was your reaction to that? You know, I think we have different reactions depending on the situation. And when we look at the book of Luke, uh, he starts off his gospel talking about two different birth announcements. You're going to have a child, you're going to have a child. And the reaction between the two different people, Zechariah and Mary, are vastly different. So we want to kind of look at this second reaction. We, we talked last week a little bit about Zacharias. Uh, today we want to kind of look at Mary's. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today, starting in verse 26. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, we invite you to turn there and follow along. And we're going to be looking at uh, this reaction to this news that Mary, you're going to have a child. And just see how she reacted and responded and how we may uh, learn from that. 
Uh, Luke, uh, he's the only one that focuses, there's only two Gospels that tell the story of the birth of Jesus. Uh, Luke focuses on women because that's kind of his uh, theme throughout his book. He will focus on the ministry of the women that were around Jesus. And so he's going to focus on Mary, whereas Matthew focuses more on Joseph and his reaction to everything. So this is what happens uh, starting in verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. All right, so this is kind of... uh, the introduction to the story, we see that uh, Luke connects it to his story that he's just told. All right, if you remember, uh, Elizabeth, she found out that she was pregnant, and what did she do for five months? What did she do for five months? She hid. All right, she went into hiding. She didn't let anybody know. All right, and so Mary, more than likely, does not, is not aware that Elizabeth is pregnant. All right, and so we're connected to that story because in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, the angel comes to Nazareth. All right, Nazareth was a little bitty town in Galilee. Galilee or it was, the town was located about 15 miles uh, west of the Sea of Galilee and 70 miles north of Jerusalem. So if you have a mental map, maybe you have a map in the back of your Bible, you can kind of picture where that is. All right, Nazareth was Podunk Town, all right? It was not anywhere near any major trade routes, all right? And because of this, it was kind of off of the mainstream society of its day, all right? It was the place that you kind of maybe knew or heard about, maybe, all right? And so that's kind of where it was, and it's in this town that we find Mary. And Mary, uh, we're told, is pledged to a man named Joseph, who is of the lineage of David, all right? So what does that all mean? Uh, We have to, for a moment, remember who David is. David was uh, the greatest king in Israel. Every king after David was compared to David. So they were either bad or they were good, just like David was good, faithful to God. So David was this, this, this guy that everyone looked up to. And David, if you remember in 2 Samuel, is told by God that there will always be someone from your line sitting on your throne. Now, when we look at history, we see that David's family ceased to rule over Israel about the time that the Babylonians came and sent them all into exile. So what was God saying when he said that you will always have someone sitting on your throne? Well, that's where the Messiah came. See, the Messiah was said to be from the line of David, and he would regain the throne of David. All right, and so it's very important for the Messiah to be from the lineage of David. And so when we see that, that Mary is pledged to this person, and she's going to be having the Messiah, and he is of the lineage of David, that's important. Right? It doesn't necessarily mean that he genetically will be from Joseph. Obviously, that's not what happens. All right? But he legally is definitely from Joseph. Right? He follows Joseph's line. And we see that in Matthew as he gives all those, this is the son of, this is the son of, this is the son of, okay? All right, that, that whole uh, genealogy of Jesus is to point to the fact that Jesus legally has permission to be king over Israel. All right, so we, we're told that, we're told that she is pledged to him, uh, which is kind of like engagement, but not. All right, when we get engaged, what do we do? 
Right, the guy gets a ring, he might ask the parents, he may not, and he goes to the girl, and he bends on her knee, his knee, and he says, will you marry me? And she says, yes, hopefully, right? Hopefully she's not the one running away. All right, so that, that transaction on, on getting engaged always involves the groom and the bride. All right, in the ancient world, in Jewish culture in the first century world, that's not how it happened. Right? Maybe they were involved, most times not. Usually the, the, the uh, father of the groom would go to the father of the bride and say, hey, let's get our, our kids married to each other. And the bride, father of the bride would say, yeah, sure, whatever, just pay me $500. All right, he, he would ask for a dowry. And so then the father of the bride would give the money to him, and they would bring in the couple, and they say, guess what, you're going to get married. And then they would have these oaths that basically said, I promise I'll marry you in a year. All right, so you have a year-long engagement, all right? But the only way to break that engagement was through a divorce, all right? You had to go through the whole legal thing of divorce in order to break off the engagement. So nothing like our engagement, right? If one person says, I don't want to marry you, bye, right? That's how we do it. But for them, it was a long process, and you had to actually uh, go to the judge and all that stuff. And so it's very different than what we face. And so she's in the midst of this, this engagement. We don't know if it's early on or if it's near the end or if it's in the middle. We just know that she's engaged. And the only way she's going to be able to break it is if they divorce. Right? And so that's where she's at. That's who she is. And it's to this lady that, that the angel comes and he says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This greeting is, is normal in some aspects, but there's some parts of it that are weird. And so as he's speaking to Mary, Mary has a reaction. And the reaction is found in verse 29 when it says that she was troubled, uh, greatly troubled at his words, and he wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And if we remember, this is kind of a comparison. Luke's comparing both Zechariah and Mary. And if we look at Zechariah, we saw that he had two reactions. All right? His reactions were he was startled that someone was in the temple with him, and he was greatly afraid because it's an angel standing before him. Mary has two reactions as well, but they're different than Zechariah's. Her reaction troubled at what he's saying to her and she's wondering why he's saying what he's saying why is she troubled we don't know i'll just be honest we really don't know why she is troubled uh, doesn't tell us uh, maybe she's troubled because uh, he probably was in the appearance of a man and he's talking to her and in their culture men and women did not talk out in public together and so maybe there's some troubling of you're breaking social norms maybe she also recognizes like Zechariah that this is an angel all right and this angel in the old testament never talked to women and so maybe she's troubled by the fact that the angel is speaking to her we don't know but we do see that she's pondering, wondering, what are you saying this to me? Why are you calling me highly favored? Why are you saying the Lord is with me? Right? What, what do you mean by all of this? And the angel in verse 30 is going to say to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And then he goes into his announcements. And here's how the announcement goes. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. So the angel tells us five things about Jesus. And these five things, I think, are things that we need to pay attention to. Uh, the first thing is he says that he's going to be great. All right, this is something that, that he said about John to Zechariah. Your son will be great in the eyes of God and in the eyes of many men. They will recognize it. And the same introduction is given to Mary. Your son, Jesus, is going to be great. So what does he mean? Well, John's ministry is, is pronounced by all these great things, and people come from all over Judea and Jerusalem to hear what John has to say. People recognize that he had a prophetic ministry. When Jesus asked the Pharisees, who did John come from, from heaven or not, they wouldn't answer because the people recognized that it was from God, and they were afraid to say that. So the ministry that Jesus is going to have, like John's, is going to be great. And people are going to come from all over Israel to hear what Jesus has to say. The second thing we're told is that he's going to be called the Son of the Most High. Talking about God, he's going to be called the Son of God. In her womb, he is given this name that he will use over and over and over again. He is the Son of God. This is vastly different than any other relationship that God has with any other person in all creation. So when we as Christians uh, become in Christ, when we're baptized into Christ and we uh, become followers of Him, we gain this relationship where we're the sons and daughters of God, but it's different. Right? Paul talks about the relationship status in Romans, and he says that it's a, it's a status change like an adoption. You're adopted into God's family. But adoption is different than being the natural born son of God. And Jesus, that's who he was. Not adopted into God's family, but the son of God. The only begotten son, as the Apostle John writes. The unique relationship that Jesus had means that he also shares with God in all aspects of who God is. His powerfulness, his wisdom, his knowledge. Jesus is this, and he is going to be called the Son of the Most High, even in the womb. The third thing that the angel says about Jesus is that he is going to be given the throne of his father, David. This is the hope that they'd been looking for. They'd been waiting David's line to come back into power, to be kings once again, to sit on their thrones and reign over Israel. And Mary is being told, this is your son. This is the Messiah that the prophets had talked about for years. Isaiah talks about it. Almost 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah is looking at the people of Israel and he says, listen, you guys are sinning, and when you sin, you will be crushed. Talking about the Babylonian exile. And then in verse chapter 11 of Isaiah, he says in the midst of talking about how they're going to 
to wish they hadn't been sinning and how they were going to be cut off. And he says in the midst of that, that section that there's going to be from the stump of Jesse a root that springs forth. Jesse is the father of David. And their tree has been cut off and there's only a stump left. And he says from that stump a shoot will come forth. And the Holy Spirit will be upon him. And he will judge the world not by what he hears or what he sees, but by righteousness. His clothes will be faithfulness and righteousness. He will slay the wicked and he will gather his people back to him. From where they had been scattered, from east and west, from north and south, they will come to him and they'll have peace. And Isaiah is talking about Jesus. And when, G- when the angel says to Mary, he is going to have the throne of his father David, he's referring back to this. Mary, he is the shoot of Jesse. And he's going to gather his people together. When we look at this world we live in, we see far too often it appears that evil is winning. That the bad guys are coming out on top. And we are left with the question, why does this happen? And the answer I have is, I don't know why it happens. But I do know that someday Jesus is going to come again. And he will slay the wicked. And he'll gather his people together to celebrate who he is. In Jesus is the only way we find peace because he is the peace bringer. He says that he's going to reign over the descendants of Jacob. He's going to reign over Israel. Jesus was going to be on the throne that ruled over Israel. But beyond that, his kingdom, the fifth thing he says, will never end. This can be taken in two different ways. It can be talking about the uh, ethnic kingdom of Jesus. Yes, he is going to reign over Israel, but it's going to be beyond that. He is going to reign over all of the world. And Jesus' kingdom, it knows no national boundaries. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be a part of it. The second thing that his kingdom does, another way you can take this, is that it has no temporal end. It will never cease. And when Jesus takes his throne in the lifetime of Mary, he also reigns now, 2,000 years later. That is the kingdom that he's going to bring. The angel says all these things, and, and Mary, in her response in verse 34, says, How will this be? I'm just a virgin. And it's, not, it's a little bit different than Zechariah. We remember in the birth announcements throughout the Bible, uh, there's always this question, well, how is this going to happen? Well, Zechariah is like, there's no way that's happening. She's old, and I'm old. We're not going to have kids. And Mary's is more of, well, how is that working? And the angel responds to her in this way. He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He gives us enough information, but not enough to explain it, right? All right? The Holy Spirit is going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. 
And then he gives her a sign, just like Zechariah was given a sign. Zechariah's sign was, you're not going to speak until he's born. All right? And Mary's sign is this. He says, uh, sorry, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for the, no word from God will ever fail. And Mary's sign that the angel gives her is, is Elizabeth. Zechariah, you don't get to speak. Mary, Elizabeth's pregnant. Joy! And Mary doesn't know this. You know, she hasn't heard. You know, Elizabeth's been hiding away for five months. It's probably taken some time. Uh, they didn't have cell phones or text message or Facebook. They couldn't post it. Hey, look, we're happy. We're pregnant. All right, Mary didn't know. And so she'll go to Elizabeth and she'll figure out, are you pregnant? And she is. It's your sign. And Mary's final response to the angel in verse uh, uh, 38 is this. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And I think this is an amazing, wonderful response. I am your servant. And this this is going to change everything for Mary. They lived in a society where it was not okay to be pregnant outside of marriage. To the point that they could, if they wanted to, kill you, stone you. And yet, even though this is going to change how her community saw her, how her parents saw her, how Joseph saw her, she says, I'm your servant. Let it beat for me as you've said. I want to close with this thought. There's a ruler in our life. And it isn't the person who sits in the Oval Office. It's not the people that meet at the Capitol building. It's not those who sit on the, on the bench in the Supreme Court. They are not the rulers of our lives. The rulers and the king that we need to follow is Jesus. He was given the throne of his father David, and he sits on it even to this day, and he is the one we should follow. And there are times in our lives where he is going to come to us and he's going to say, you need to do this. And it's going to completely change how other people view you. It's going to completely change maybe how you even view yourself. And when those moments come, you need to say, I am your servant. For me, it came when I was in high school. And God said, Tony, I want you to be a minister. And when I said, okay, I'll, I'll do this, you know what my, parent, my, my, my dad's side of the family did? They said, you're stupid. You're dumb. And it changed how they view me. And that is going to be what happens to you when God calls you to do something extraordinary, when he calls you to do something for his kingdom. My challenge to you is, is to be like Mary, May it be for me, as you've said. Will you pray with me?
Father God, we're grateful for your call in our lives, for your desire for us to to work in your kingdom, to be a part of your kingdom that has no end. And Father God, when we are challenged to do things like Mary was, to, to, to just take a new way of life, to, to do great and amazing things for you, Father, I pray that, that when we f- feel that call, that we will not reject it. That we will be like Mary and have her faith and say, we are your servant. Lord, there's no one else in this world that is our king. There's no one else in this world that we should follow besides you. I pray that we have the strength and courage to do so. I see things in your name. Amen.